Hello. Hi, John. Merlin, man. John, ah. Here comes the Merlin man. Ooh, ooh. Here comes the John again. <laughs> Says he's a people fan. Ooh, ooh. Oh, John is John. <laughs> so like. Here comes the Merlin man. Ah. Uh, here comes the John Roderick. Call. Was, that, was that the funeral march? No, here no. Here comes on. the no, John. It's um. Uh, uh, think, uh, think, ow, oh, fuck. Think, um, mm. three chords, three chords. I think I'm gonna, so I'm gonna pick down, up. Down, 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 down. Oh, God, that's way too high. Here comes John again. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. If I could reach that guitar over there, I'd jam along with you. Let's see, it's right over here. Our problem is syncing, but if it's a true Skype jam, I don't think people would care. I mean, what's a, what's a true Skype jam? My headphones caught over there. All right, yeah, lay it on me. Let's see. One, two, three. I haven't tuned, but we'll see. D A G. Oh dear. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. No, it, no, it, you no. Know what? That sounds like the beginning of GNR Lives. Um, let's see. Let's see. I used to, I used to know the beginning of Sweet Child of Mine. Shit. Yeah, do it, do it. I'm playing a guitar and I haven't played this since 1988. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. Well, you know, we tried. I'm playing the seagull. You're, you're, you're playing the seagull by Chekhov? Yeah. <laughs> that tune. Very complicated. Well, it's, that's in translation. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. It's which translation. They call it uh, Chekhov's Seagull. If you see uh -huh. it mounted over the fireplace in Act 1, you have to misquote this by Act 3. <laughs> was che Chekhov was, was, <laughs> was Chekhov a science officer? Which one was he? What color was his shirt? Um... Crazy time. You that in a? Is that an A? Well, I was playing it in A, yeah. But, uh, but I don't know if that's the real key. They probably. Alright now! God damn it! This feels like such a house party. Oh, you know it. Then if you want the ironic value, you can go like this. Do a major seventh. Crazy. But that's how it goes. Yeah, that is ironic. There's money, 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 millions of people. That's one of two great Brad Gillis adjacent songs where the shitty music video involves train tracks. Do you huh. remember the terrible music video for Crazy Train? It's just his face slightly posterized over like a train going down tracks. Wasn't that the Crazy Train video? 
Not to be confused with the great Brad Gillis song. Well, Brad Gillis, you know, he played on the live one. Yeah. Of course, that's Randall playing. I call him Randall playing on the Ridge. But uh, then he, uh, Brad Gillis also played uh, one of the two solos, the lesser, if you ask me, of the two mm. solos on Don't Tell Me You Love Me. You know, I, uh, I, I met Brad Gillis in a bar in Mill Valley, California one time. Whoa, I think, I'm sure, I, sure I've told you that story. I'm I sure have. I have. Nice guy. Nicest guy. Brad you Gillis. Know, just, you he's, know, he's living in Mill Valley. He's just, you know, he's just living his life. You know, I've had two insightful thoughts, and we're really just starting the year now. Number one is if you think you one day might be a widely regarded lead guitar player uh, in, uh, from Birmingham, don't work in a sheet metal factory. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, right? you're going to lose your things. Yeah, this could be a whole Roger Miller say. song. You're going to lose your tips when you're playmaking sheet metal. And the other one is, you know, uh, a lot of people, they got a Marin vibe. So if you think hmm. in the future you might be a guitar player, don't work in a sheet metal factory like Tony Amomi, mm-hmm. Tony Amami. But yeah. also, Imodium. there's a Tony Amodium. <laughs> I just keep him <laughs> in my pocket, little Tony. <laughs> little boy, this lives in my mouth. The The other thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people get a Marin vibe. I yeah. think uh, two people, well, uh, here's one, Todd Rundgren. Todd Rundgren, be he from many places, he's, I think he's always had a Marin vibe. You feel Some he's people Marin. get a Marin yeah, they get a wine dad vibe or something. He always Jackson had that, he Brown, had, Jackson Brown, Marin vibe. Jackson Brown sounds like a euphemism, but just barely. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta go see Jackson Brown. <laughs> it's called the loadout. Oh no! Oh! No, I the don't want to see John, your Jackson give it to me, Brown. The loadout. Don't, don't show me your Jackson Brown. <laughs> Everybody wants my Magic Jackson. Okay. I, uh, um, I, I, <laughs> There's gonna be some. There's gonna be a little background noise because I got a ravine full of hippies, and uh, and they're having the time of their life. A down ravine there they, full of hippies is that like a murder of crows? Yeah, it's basically. Oh, okay. Uh, and they scream every once in a while. So why, why, why are they in your ravine, John? Are they are they have you have you borrowed or have someone lent you hippies? Yeah, 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 yeah. This the uh, I, I I got lent some hippies and they're down there just tearing it up. It's uh it's a rainy day and they're just so it's been a few just... weeks since we visited with each other because mm-hmm. if i'm being honest uh it doesn't COVID. take it's covid it's COVID. <laughs> we're in safety and protocol um and you know until clay thompson was back i refused to get in front of a mic and that's just how i roll until leah thompson was back leah thompson Is leah um, thompson back did you ever see the boys on amazon prime no. Because Leah Thompson always reminds me of Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue is very good in that show. Elizabeth Shue is great. Leah Thompson, I was forced just the other day. But she's the, but she's, she's the mom in Back to the Future, right? Yeah. But and I, Elizabeth I, Shue was one of the, one of she the was girls. In, uh, she was in, Elizabeth Shue was in uh, uh, Adventures in Babysitting. And Leaving Las Vegas. But is she the one that they just had sleep in the convertible while they did Back to the Future 2? Oh, she, that the other one. Yeah, no, they replaced the original girl with with Elizabeth Shue because they wanted to. I don't know what get it yeah, over yeah. the top. But they then they just had to sleep in the, the car. Yeah, okay. But I was forced to watch some kind I, of. I wonderful. promise we're going to come back to Brad Gillis. I swear to Christ. I had never seen some kind of wonderful. Uh, oh, it was that's the other blonde. That's the it Wilson was Phillips girl. Nineteen eighty-seven. It was. Wait a minute. Was she in Wilson Phillips? No, but she should have been. Oh, but she, she was. She, she had the pixie like cut, her. right? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. Oh God, she, what's her yeah. name? She's adorable. I didn't like that pixie cut though, and yeah. I didn't find right. it horrible. Frankly, I thought the whole oh, thing. Mary Stuart Masterson. That's oh, uh, she's one of the three name actresses, like Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio or NPR's yeah. Carol Ann Clark Kelly, who has four first names. Exactly, Carol Ann Clark Clark Kelly. Yeah, she's just having. She's having fun with it. Okay, I'm writing down uh, Brad yeah, Gillis and you know, uh, it was a it was one of those movies. It was a John Hughes movie from the 1980s, but I was just a little too old for it, as I'm guessing you were. 
that's me in Breakfast Club. That I was I was six months too old for Breakfast Club. Oh, you're I was kidding! Re- no, see, that's the problem. I was already graduated or near graduated, uh, and I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it took itself too seriously. I love, of course, that guy. Mess with the, the boy, you get the horns. Sure. He sure. has. Uh, he gets assaulted by uh, by a real gorilla, in uh, in um, gorillas um, in the um, mist. Close trading places. Oh sure, sure he does. Sure, That's he's there because he's, he's trying to get the uh, pork bellies. He's That's one of those he's guys though. He's like a William Atherton or like one of those guys who's just always. He's a great eighties heavy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, now, how did you feel about Saint Elmo's Fire? Never saw it. I knew it wasn't that, for me. I knew it wasn't because it was that was for co- it was supposedly for college I know. people. But John, it had a wow. saxophone. Breakfast. Yeah, it did. It was like 1987, and you're putting a saxophone in a movie. Now, I don't think it was that a, was that Rob Lowe or was that? Yeah, it was a, Rob Lowe, and he had, he had a uh, he had a uh, he had a uh, what a roach clip earring, if I recall correctly. Oh, because a he's uh, he's a kind of a La Boheme. But I don't think it was 87. I think I think that came out in 85. But, but oh again, yeah, you know because of the song. You were gone. That's so crazy. But how did you feel about Pretty in Pink? Love Pretty in Pink, but it was awkward oh. because I, I I went to see it with a with a a, a a platonic lady friend and a currently platonic my ex girlfriend who I was supposed to take to the prom and didn't Uh-oh. and we did, I didn't know that was scene was gonna. They should warn you about stuff like that if you're gonna be yeah. sitting there next to somebody who I like bought a dress. Yes, sir. Um, oh, so well, you, you know, saw, Breakfast Club. Uh, Breakfast Club came out uh, in the middle of my junior year, so I was just right. It was just a, yeah. it was a pitch right down the middle. Well, but I mean, like emotionally, I think it's very resonant in terms of like you know that whole everybody here is broken. What's the future going to be like? That kind of sure, stuff. Sure, my dad put cigarettes out on me. I, sure. ha- I have to bring sushi to lunch. That's why I have to wear these fingerless gloves. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall. But also, sure. I mean, I think there are movies that have done that more deftly and less on the nose. Maybe like a Harold and Maude. Oh, that's a – yeah. That, you know, I uh, we, had, we used to have a movie night uh, where one of us would uh, – this is in high school. One of us would go uh-huh. to the video <laughs> store, I guess, and rent a video, rent a VHS tape. Friday night was, was the big night. Yeah. And uh, and I brought Harold and Maude one one time. <laughs> and, okay, wait, remind me who all's in the house at this point. Uh, so you know, Kevin is there, Kelly's there, Eric, Rick, Mary. I don't think Sonia, but Tammy. You had a a high school peer Friday night movie night, and you brought Harold and Maude. I brought Harold and Maude, and I was, and so you know, halfway through the movie, like it, it's just such a, it's just such a downer. It's not what anybody wanted. They wanted to be up gesticulating and saying, this is going to become a huge influence on Wes Anderson. (laughs) It's me, your cousin, Marvin Anderson. They they could laugh or they could could kiss each other. Marvin Anderson. (laughs) This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. You know about Squarespace, but I'm going to tell you about it because the existence of these ads implies that there are people who are not yet on Squarespace, which is not okay. So let me give it to you in pigs and bunnies. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and to run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace has got you covered. Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and to make your ideas a reality. Hmm. 
Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You, you start with a professionally designed template. And by the way, you can change that template to a different template anytime, but it is beautiful, professionally designed. And then you use uh, these very easy drag and drop tools to make it your own. Make it your own. Build it beautiful. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks and probably a few drags, but it's really easy. I mean, e even somebody with RSI could totally go ham on Squarespace. They, they can just have that. And it's always uh, worth mentioning that all Squarespace sites are optimized for mobile. And that means your content is going to look terrific on any device or dingus out there. They do that heavy lifting for you. Free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. You know, the, uh, these are bullet points, but they're all really real, right? There's nothing to patch your upgrade, award-winning customer support. You can get a domain name, a unique domain name, I would point out. And plus, you'll have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas out there. You can make whatever you want with Squarespace. If you will it, it is no dream. I have been using Squarespace for a long time, uh, many, many, many days. <laughs> and I'm a huge fan. You're using Squarespace right now because that is the place that we have always hosted the Roderick on the Line podcast. It's also where I put my personal sites. Don't, that, don't hold that against them. I'm just, you know... I, 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 should, I should probably make more sites. Maybe that, that would get me excited, you know? But what I love is when I go in and I use Squarespace, it's crazy easy. I, I, I was using Squarespace a few minutes ago to post this uh, podcast episode. Well, I'm telling it a little bit out of order, but you get the basic idea. It's Squarespace. Just go get it. Get on it. Squarespace. So go to squarespace.com slash supertrain. You can get a free trial with no credit card required. And please listen closely. When you're ready to launch, use our very special offer code supertrain because that will save you uh, 10% off your first purchase of a website or a unique domain name. Squarespace.com slash supertrain. Remember to use that code supertrain. I'm not going to say it again. I'll come over there and slap you. I'll do it. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line. And all the great shows. They could laugh or they could they could kiss each other. Marvin Anderson. You get it? Fo yeah, it's an E. Follow me for the changes. Uh, right, right. He broke his hand on the trunk. Yeah. Oh, he cut his hand. He cut his hand. Shit. Um, but uh, that, but yeah, one. by the end of the movie, I was forbidden for the rest of high school. <gasps> I was for I was You lost I, you lost your movie rights. I lost my movie rights. When it when it came time, when it came around to me, they were like, nope. And then they would say Harold and Maude. And they used to say Harold and Maude to me anytime I did something. Oh, that it's was like the like, new Steam and John. Yeah. Harold and Maude. They, they just would do it to provoke you. Oh. Well, you know, when I would wear something that, that they thought was dumb or when I would just be a weirdo. Uh, Harold and Maude. Oh, no. Yeah, and you know, and if I was going to die on a hill, I don't think I would have picked Harold and Maude to die on. There's so you know, many other hills to die on. Uh, but like, like, okay, so another Hal Ashby in that instance, maybe something like a, um, like a being there. Like there are movies like that. I, I cannot get my kid to fucking put down the phone and watch just like a normal thing, let alone like a, a moody one about a guy who, who's a Jesus figure. Or in this case, well, he's also, he's also, you know, uh, Bud Court was also the father in But I'm a Cheerleader, which is a big household hit. So hopefully I can leverage some Bud Court energy. Um, but uh, you know what? Uh, this is not as good, I but feel, pretty good. I feel good. like I would yeah. die on the hill of being there. If I, if I had brought I being there to movie. the party, That's I'd just I be That's how I named like... my dog. I named my dog Chauncey Gardner. Aw. Yeah. But, but real quick, so I don't know what you call New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve 85 into 86. 
that would have been I, the I, one. Yeah. Okay, I do remember this being like one of the most because all of my friends, we were all so depressed, and we were very into being depressed, sure. and like we were a little bit existential, and but we were also Woody Allen fans, so I'll remember that always as the night we learned that Ricky. Uh, uh, Ozzy and Harriet. Ricky Nelson had died in, oh. I believe, a plane crash. And yeah. also, it was the night the guy who picked the movie that night was my friend Bob, and he brought in uh, the, the Woody Allen movie, Broadway Danny Rose. And that's what we watched on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. That's a New Year's Eve movie, isn't that's it? That's not, I mean, I think probably Harold and Maude might be more entertaining than Broadway Danny Rose. Let me tell you that Some Kind of Wonderful is not. That was the, that was the one for me. Ooh. Oh, I was Roderick declares no, no kind of wonderful. No, 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 no. It was no kind of wonderful. Hmm. And, uh, and yet the person I was with had been, is younger than me. And that movie was resonant to them because it was, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a gulf of two years, one, two years this way, two years that way. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's one of the, it's like a menage a trois movie type of thing. I remember it's got the blonde girl in it. It's got the blonde girl in it. Oh, got is that Leah Eric, Thompson. Eric, uh, Eric, uh, what, the guy who's going to be Marty McFly. Is that Eric? Yeah, Anna? that's right. That Eric name? Stoltz. 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 And it's got, in it's got Leah Trek. Thompson who just the year before, uh, you know, uh, almost walked away with Red Dawn. Uh, except I'm talking about the Wolverines. I'm talking about the Wolverines. She almost on a spark plug. With- Piss on a spark plug if I thought I'd do any good. <laughs> You know what? You know what? Don't let it out. Keep it inside. Let it turn into something else. Let it turn into something else. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to get us back to Marin and Todd Rundgren and Brad Gillis. But you, so you lost your, you lost your movie choosing rights. Is what happened. Well, so what I was saying, what you know, I was just giving you a, a a little bit of an alert, like a scream alert, because oh, this morning as I was sitting here, uh, the the hippies kept screaming, and you know, it's like. It's like Clarice. Yeah, you can hear the hippies screaming. So she, and, she wears uh, Laird Lair de Tomp, but not today. And they were, they were all, they were all down the hill. But now I don't know what they're doing. They're eating wheat then somewhere. But anyway, I have be, so many, so many be questions aware. about. Okay, yeah, be aware. Okay, okay. Well, so uh, we'll get back to Marin uh, eventually. But so it's interesting because I watched. Did you a- come up? Did you come up to Marin when we played up there? When I played up there at Bob Weir's uh, Magic House. Bob, Bob Weir, Bob Weir's hot dog stand up there. <laughs> no, in, uh, no. In I don't Marin like County. I don't like crossing a bridge. You didn't go up there. No, th- that must have been. I saw, I saw you in Oakland. Up there. Yeah, with no, that that's the other guy, bridge. But yeah, that that's was the, the other bridge. bridge. I really feel uh, like my wife dodged a bullet that night. The um, the thing I'm thinking is the question is um, you I you know the, you said something about the two years or the one years. I've always thought it's so funny, like. I'm sure this happens for your daughter. Oh God, of course this happens for your daughter. Where you have you have uh, kids in, in your life that are like a couple years. Like kids that were born a couple years before your daughter. Yeah. Kids that were born, say even a year or two after your daughter, and she has a. I mean, we're closer with the parents than she is with the child. But when our friends had a baby and we went and visited, and I don't think Emma was even verbal yet. She yeah. was like two, but it was hilarious because we had these great photos of her looking very concerned about Madeline holding the baby. And she wants to get inside the, <laughs> you know, like the little play area where we lay on a mat and hit a mobile. And she couldn't fit. It was the same one she had as a baby. and She couldn't fit in it. It was so sad. <laughs> but at the time, their daughter seemed like almost like a different generation in the same way that a kid who's like in middle school when your kid's in third or fourth grade, right? Feels like a different generation. Then that goes away a little bit, like by early to mid teen years. Don't you think like suddenly like, oh my gosh, a year apart, that's crazy. 
I remember people that are a year apart from us. It's no big deal. That gap becomes less significant until it becomes significant again, which is the point you're talking about. For the well, two years between like this point in junior high or like this point in high school and college or whatever, the gulf opens again and suddenly you have such different experiences. Well, I think about a lot about the the open endedness of that gulf later. I remember when I was twenty five, thinking that people that that dated twenty two year olds were creeps. Got um, people. So when you were twenty five, people who were roughly your other twenty five year olds that were dating like twenty year olds or twenty two year olds. I was like, oh yeah. You know, we had, we had a famous situation in my uh, junior high, as I called it, as we called it, uh, where I had a fourteen year old classmate in eighth grade who <clears throat> was widely known or believed to have <clears throat> a boyfriend who was nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which there was a girl from in my our high POV, school. guess what? Holy shit, she must Pretty be old. really cool. But looking at it from the point of view of even an eighteen, let alone a twenty-five year old, dude, what are you doing? Like that's so gross. Well, just but, he, but she was. I mean, the girl in my high school who was in tenth grade, I guess, had a nineteen or twenty-year-old boyfriend. She was so proud of herself. She was so much older that's, than anybody that's a get, else. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but but then there was a time, I guess. I mean, I. Every girlfriend I had was older than me until I turned 30. Like I Every always, girlfriend you ever... Is that a fact? Yeah, they were always older than me. Includes by, Kelly. Kelly was older. Kelly was. I mean, they were all six months to a year older than me. I, when I started dating Laurel, I was 27 and she was 29. And that was just mm-hmm. like scandalous. What are you doing? You're dating That's, that's, that's the age where you're well, ladies older. wearing like a pantsuit. I mean, she was... But she was very sophisticated. Mm. It's it, it looked good on me, you know? <clears throat> Mm. <laughs> That's and, good on you, you know. So, so I don't know when that when that flips around, but you know, I think I, you know what it was for me. It was in 1999 when the Western State Hurricanes broke up. I should have, by all rights, quit music and gotten a job. I was 31 years old, or 30. I was 30. Right. I was 30. <clears throat> I'd been part of that 90s scene. But I was a little, right. I was just a little too young, two years too young to actually be grunge. Right. And I was there for the, whatever that birth of indie was. And then you were in a band that got <clears throat> maybe, I would have to guess, I can't speak for you, but that's a band that got more, at least more popular, but definitely more like widely respected than you would have probably guessed, right? Like the yeah. Hurricanes were kind of a big deal for a while, attracted a little bit of interest until you put your feet on the guy's desk. But that was must have felt like your shot. A oh yeah, bit. we were sexy, but I was already old, mm-hmm. and yes, you know, I was yes. thir- I was twenty nine, I guess, and and then um, <clears throat> all the new bands. So the Hurricanes were were uh, doing their you know had their year, but during that time, the other popular bands. All those kids were 23 years old. Uh-huh. Death Cab was 23, Modest Mouse. They were all younger, way younger. Sure, sure. And so when the Hurricanes broke up, that should have been the end of me, Merlin. It should. Somehow, you, I mean, like, I don't love this phrase, but a lesser person might say the universe was trying to tell you something. Like, do you feel like that you sh- there was a message there you could have t- interpreted differently? Well, every single person that was part <clears throat> of my music scene that was my age or older was out by the by the following year. They were just out. The that music scene closed down. Whatever whatever the bands that were, you know, that were big in the clubs in 95, 96, 97 by 2001 mm-hmm. they were all gone. All those people went away. 
and they were all replaced. <laughs> and I <laughs> by younger, younger, like more interesting. It's like it's like when I feel like I feel like in college, I was the last. I was in the last class of selfish uh, Gen X assholes. That mm-hmm. like the the class that came right after mine was noticeably more interesting, intelligent, responsible, grown up, and forward thinking. And we were just still arguing with the cops about how loud we could play the music. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but that probably happened. I mean, for, for obviously for dark reasons, partly, but with disco, where it's like there's a year where you're not sure. It seems like it's tapering off, but then when once it's been a couple years, you're like, yeah, that's that's mostly done. And in 1999 that interesting anomalous like three or four year period post grunge in music right things were kind of sunsetting for me it was it was that they had already been raised in diy and i hadn't and my <laughs> you were raised in led zeppelin getting a yeah. limo full of cocaine yeah. yeah and everybody everybody in my generation you know we all talked d dui or whatever but um <laughs> You know, but what that meant was that you you start sub pop and then you become as big as the bigs, or you you become a little big. Yeah. Um, it was not about like bands. We did. We definitely did not intend to make a career out of making our own T-shirts. So, but no, it was it was a it was like a weird moment where my girlfriends had always been older than me. Everybody that I admired was older than me. And I went on that walk across Europe and I came back and it was like, although I hadn't really changed very much, Uh I stepped back into a world where all of the bands that I knew were gone, all of the people I knew went and got jobs seemingly over the space of a long weekend. Mm. And everybody in the Seattle music scene, everybody was now 24, 25. And I was 31. And... I don't know what I don't. I had oh, you know what it was. I got into Harvey Danger. That was why. And those guys were all six about years to younger ask, than me. Was ninety eight the Harvey Danger? When was the big? When was Flight? That was when they were did? big in ninety eight. Yeah, 98. so funny because like them and Not a Surf kind of had their. There's a phrase that I will do not I like to use and will not use here. But they are both sometimes categorized as a certain appellation of band, and they mm. both had their if you like hit around the same time, right? Like Popular and Flagpole Sitter, weren't those kind of contemporaneous? I feel like Popular was a little bit... Earlier? Earlier, yeah. Like 96, it, 97. Yeah, it was, it was like part of that first wave of Weezer mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. Weezer people. God, and they would do so much. They, like, then like after that, they'd do like Hyperspace. And but like, you know, like, those Popular's guys are older good, than but... me. Those, they're, they're, they're not significantly older than me, but I but talked, I talked to your friend about uh, Power Pop and Jason Faulkner the other night. I, I think he's a, still a very nice man. You're anyway, talking about Matthew. I, Matthew. I'm, yeah, talking, I'm right. not talking about the Frenchman, or the Spaniard, like, rather. Oh, <laughs> he, he smells like a Goodwill jacket. Um, <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Masterworks. You can learn more about Masterworks right now by visiting masterworks.art slash super trained friends with inflation at a 39-year high and rising. On top of volatile stock markets, there's never been a better time to rethink your portfolio mix. And today, one of the smartest investments that you can make is to diversify your portfolio with fine art. According to Citi, art significantly outpaced the S&P 500 from 1995 to 2020, which means when the market drops, a well-diversified art portfolio might not. 
And the Wall Street Journal called the art market one of the hottest on earth. How about that? Not to mention the ultra-wealthy have been diversifying their portfolios with artwork for generations. I, I did not know that. And now with Masterworks, you can too. Just like the ultra-wealthy, Masterworks is democratizing the art market by allowing everyday investors to own a piece of iconic paintings from blue-chip artists like Picasso, Warhol, and Banksy. Perhaps you've heard of them. Uh, but, but at an affordable entry point. So while making great art is difficult, investing in it is easier than ever. Even better, they're giving Roderick on the Line listeners priority access to their newest offerings. So start building an intelligent portfolio today at masterworks.art slash supertrain, masterworks.art slash supertrain. And please also review some important disclaimers available at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Our thanks to Masterworks for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. The uh, question is about you coming back and like, hey, did you change or did the world change? You come back, things are moving on. And then Harvey Danger, where you learned to play bass uh, on, on a soundstage. That's 90? No, that's <clears throat> that's 2000. That's 2000. See, we're, okay. we, 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 cro- we turned a corner in 2000. Well, it's, it's I confusing. I should have gone left. I should have gone. I should be working at Amazon You should now. have been a pair of scuttling claws. But yeah. it's, like, it's like when you change your clocks and lose 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. A lot of people say this is how we know ni- or this is why 1997 did, didn't happen. Is yeah. It was a time change. I mean, it kind of technically did, but mm-hmm. like not really. We can okay, say computer it came out. That's the only okay, thing. Okay, computer is the only thing that came out, the really, most. The only thing that came out in 97. The rest of it was 311 and. Oh, not five, know, five, door, five doors down. Five doors down and yeah, three doors in the, reverse. Oh, uh, sure. All that be, stuff. None of that stuff exists. It's interesting to me that you would come back from what to me feels like it must have been a very, I don't know, it's a big deal that you walked from. Uh, what's, what's your phrase? From uh, from Milan to Minsk? Where did you uh-huh. walk from? From London Milan to, to Minsk. Yeah, yeah it it's was... one girl's erotic journey. You, you <laughs> what, what was the path that you walked? Uh, oh, I, well, as I like to say, Amsterdam to Istanbul. But okay, I really started in London. Okay. But like, it's so interesting to me that if I understand what you just said, that you came back and you f- felt like everything had changed. Like you felt mostly kind of, mostly for practical purposes the same, but like your culture, your scene, the city had changed in the time yeah. you were away. Yeah, I left at a. Oh, that must have been so odd. The last minute, the last minute, and it seemed like it seemed like the world was go- was going on when I left. It seemed like I was leaving, and everybody else was going to be the same. But when I came back, I was the same, and everybody else was different. Mm-hmm. I don't un- I don't understand. And I realized the well, other that's day. That's a very Joni Mitchell esque concept. I like that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, and I was the one that did the crazy thing. They just all stayed at home and just sort of like slouched into Bethlehem. And I was, you know, I was like skateboarding <laughs> right. around. I was the silver surfer in this analogy. You're doing but the I, sick kickflips. <laughs> I was doing sick kickflips. Uh, but I came back. I realized, I think I told you this. I realized the other day that uh, <clears throat> that I was, when I went on that walk, it seemed like a big adventure. It seemed like that must have been some manic period, but I was totally depressed the whole time. Sure. It was, it was completely, I was completely depressed the whole time, but I was just forced out of bed every morning by this voice in my head that was like, move, move, you lazy ass. East, 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 east. East, east, right? east. I mean, there, isn't that some part of it where you're like, however mm. I go, if I'm going east, I'm going in the right direction. And if I'm still going east and haven't arrived yet, I'm not done. I'm not done. I still but haven't You don't arrived. get to clep out of Europe. No, you walk, you get up in the morning. Are you there? No. Okay. East, 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 east. east. Or, sa- you know, south or east. Those are your two options. 
Well, you're, you're tacking. They call it European tacking. Yeah, it's a European tacking. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I would go until I hit a river, and I would tack until I found a bridge, and then I would go until I hit a river, and I'd tack until I found a bridge. But I came back, and all the bands were gone. My city was gone. Oh, you know? no. Yeah. <laughs> From Seneca to Cahoga Falls? It, it, it was all gone, yeah. Shit. And then there was this whole new generation of kids in two tight T-shirts, and they were wearing... Uh, they were wearing like uh, like pegged pants again. I was like, pegged pants? Yeah, what happened right. to all the bootcut jean people? No, they're all gone. They all need the, all new pants. Yeah, the, uh, it's a whole new pants. And I was like, I don't know, I guess. You know, I didn't have an, I, there wasn't another job. I didn't have another job. What was I going to be? What would I be now, Merlin? A college professor? Come on. I, I it's, it's, a, it's a lot to think about. It's, it's interesting because like, I don't know. I've never. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, and I won't ask you now. But I, I wonder. Go ahead if, and ask. Go ahead and ask. And forgive me if you talked about this, but have you ever wondered, or do you know, or could you say, the impulse that made you go, "Okay, right, walking east through Europe," is that at all chemically similar to what happened with running for city council? Well, this is the thing I always I, thought. I, do you do you think you do you ever wonder if you were manic when you decided to do that? I always I always want to think so, but the reason I went, the reason I, I changed my mind on it, or at least I'm I'm considering it, is when I look back at my creative years. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have a year where it's like, whoa, I wrote ten songs. Yeah. Right. And and you think about <laughs> I, I think imagine about, I'll be able to do that a lot in the future. Ah, that's all, this is my this is my new life. Ten a big lesson. A, in, a big lesson in life is learning what's what's normal and what's an anomaly. As I like to say, youth is the anomaly, which is something people can't realize <laughs> until they're not a youth anymore. But it's you have those days where you have like your ten x or fifteen x days, and you're like, oh, I I can do this. I guess I should probably be like this all the time. All the time. Right. I thought back the other day. I should have put a band together with Laurel. She was 29, I was 27, but she could play the drums. When I saw the White Stripes for the first time, I was oh, like, man. oh, wait a minute. I already had that idea. Laurel and I used to sit in the basement and jam. I yeah. mean, she wasn't a great drummer, but that that wouldn't have mattered. Well, personality we, goes a long way. I was watching, oh, the, shit, uh, so I was watching, I've been going through a thing where I've been watching a lot of my favorites from the two early, or really, I'm sorry, from the, uh, from the 90s um, of like, you know, just the, the bands that blew through Tallahassee and the stuff I got obsessed with that some people know and love and other people don't. And I've been d- diving deep on a couple slightly mathy fun things like Heavy Vegetable and Babe the Blue Ox. And Babe the Blue Ox used to come through town all the time. There's this amazing three-piece, so much personality, so much character. Don't you just love a three-piece w- with a girl just really ripping it on drums? Have so I ever, fucking good. Have I ever told my Babe the Blue Ox story? No, tell me. They were real. I really liked them. I would. I had a shirt. I would see them a lot. Remember the guy would have the glasses on the end of his nose? Oh, yeah. He, Rob, not Rob. Rob, not Rob. Yeah, anyway. Rob, not Rob. Yeah, that was Rob, what, not Rob. Uh, yeah. We, they came through town right when the hurricanes were starting to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And we were all oh, wow. at the crocodile. We were all at the crocodile. To see Babe the Blue Ox. And the place wasn't packed. But Babe the Blue Ox was a national act or a touring band, which... They were... It's hard to describe. They're one of those bands that I know you're not a huge fan, but like things like Archers of Loaf, like a bunch mm-hmm. of the North Carolina bands that were like just huge stars in towns that had reported to CMJ. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. But like if you had a good local indie rock or college station and like was like an AP or CMJ, like you've heard and saw, 
you know, of course, and if you were near a highway. Like if in our right. case, the, the black flag Minutemen, um, you know, line still existed in the 90s. And yeah. you'd get these bands that shoot them. Remember that one song of theirs? They were so fucking good. And you'd see them live and they were so electric. There were so many bands like that that would just blow through town. It might be, you know, it might be Sebado. It might be Babe the Blocks. It might be Urgis Luff. It might be, you know, uh, 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 another band from North Carolina. But they ended up only selling 10,000 copies of their record or whatever. You know, it wasn't like every single one of them them. started a Brian Eno cover band, though. (laughs) But they were, uh, I, I just really loved them. I loved their show. I thought yeah. they had so much personality. Their energy, so, their energy it was so... And was, they did a lot of improv to get to like what became their songs. And not, not proggy, but almost more like kind of like a gang of four edgy sort of like late 70s vibe meets like heavy non-grunge like heaviness, which was you didn't get a lot of at the time. Well, what we did was we pulled a Merlin man. And I went up to him after the show and was like, <laughs> I enjoy your work. <laughs> I was like, Hey, you guys got a place to crash tonight? And they were like, No. And they kind of looked at each other with that, like, uh, you know, we got a live one here. Or like, we knew this was going to happen, or this, we, we, we work on this every night, or so. I don't know. They, they did, they gave each other a knowing look. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've got a huge warehouse loft on Capitol Hill. You should come. And so they did. They packed up their stuff. Oh, that's so cool. And they came and spent the night with me in my loft, and we had like a, a little party. And it was the only time that I ever took a band home. No and like shit. Put them up. And, huh. and I think like one of the girls in the band, maybe the bass player, made out with my bass player. And the whole like. She's cool. She's like kind of, kind of. Short-ish, like kind of big, fuzz, curly hair, probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's a she's a pistol. And they were all pistols, and it was just like, oh wow, we're we're a rock band, and we know another rock band, Babe the Blue Ox, and for for at least, well, for the rest of that year, we were for sure like name checking Babe the Blue Ox whenever the opportunity I, arose. So I, like, I don't like we did. That's with so Eden random, too. John. Eden I literally made band. this. I'll put this in show notes. I made a playlist the other night. Uh, I keep, I'm obsessed with the the song uh, Makeout Club by Unrest. So the name of the list is Come On Down to 94. Come on down to 94. It's got 5'8", Heavy Vegetable, Smog, Babe the Blue Ox. That's on Ego Pimps. That's the one. Some nice. Palace, Sorry, Ego Polvo, um, uh, Small Factory, Wedding Present, Job This Breaker. was all your, this was, these were the formative years for you. They And Chris Walla too. They, you know, you knew all those bands and they really changed who you were. Formative, in, very much in terms of like, I'll say something dickish, which is like, I, I've always thought I had pretty good taste and sensibility in music because, you know, that's how we think. But it was the first time as a, a adult-ish young person where I felt like I was being wonderfully outpaced by the ambition and execution of a lot of music around mm. me. It's one thing to go like, to be in like, <laughs> there was a cover band in Tampa, I think, called Jedi, J-E-T-E-Y-E. Jet Eye, and they were like a local band, oh. maybe I don't know, but were like all the local bands and like the bands that were around were shit in the eighties. That's not entirely true. There were good punk bands in Tampa, and blah blah blah. I'm not trying to be mean, but suddenly you turn on the radio and you hear something like Polvo, and you're like, "What the fuck is this? This is so strange." And then, of course, I continue to hold ninety five to ninety seven. I know we don't hundred percent agree on this, but that was such a 
memorable time for me because that's Guided by Voices. That's a little past my peak of Super Chunk, but still Super Chunk. But it's also singer-songwriters. It's Freedy Johnston. It's um, Denzel. It's like all these people, Denzel rather, people who were just, and they'd all come through town. And it was fucking great. And like, I really felt like I'm really, um, you know, the first show I ever saw when I moved, I don't think I ever told you this, the very first show I ever saw, Club Down Under on campus, 1991, pretty sure the first show I ever went to was Young Fresh Fellows. Ah, Young Fresh Fellows. It might have been around, it might have been this one's for the ladies. I never knew I was a Young Fresh Fellow before. The Young Fresh Fellows were one of the first alternative bands I ever saw. And then I, the, I took you know, them out thousand... and got them stoned after the show. Really, and I felt them? Like huh. Such a cool. Di- well, I took, sure. You know, yeah, a couple of them. Oh, but I, it was it was really good. And like I'd heard the the sounds of uh, Pacific Northwest or whatever had been popular in Tampa in the mid '80s a little bit. But I think this must have been this one's for the ladies. Or no, this one was still there's hope, right? But anyway, that, just saying, like, do you remember how exciting that feels? I'm not saying it has to be that same time for you, but like for me, like going and and like just. It's I, I really miss college for the easy conviviality or the easy access to people, friends, neutral people. I didn't have a lot of enemies, I hope. But like just friend, like you just see your friends. You just see your friends all the time. Right. You see I miss your friends I miss, all the time. You just see your friends all the time. There's no need to ever make a plan unless you need to buy tickets for something. But you just see your friends all the time. You bump into people and say, Oh, do you want to practice at three? Or whatever. You just bump it. You know what I mean? I miss that from a social standpoint. I miss the mid nineties from a music standpoint. I know it's different for everybody, but it was just this this like machine gun of music that was so my shit for three, four, five years. And that's kind of what this this list reflects a little bit, I think. Um, okay. I, I, so. I wonder. I wonder sometimes. Uh, I think it's the thing that I miss. That I, you know, you you have um, you have those feelings sometimes where you're like, "Am I living the right life? Is this the one? Um, mm-hmm. Is there another one that I sh- that I should have been living?" Like, it's easy sometimes to think like, "Well, everybody's pretty much living the same life," and. Uh, and that's that's kind of valuable in the sense of of not feeling like everybody else has got it better than you or that you're being per- persecuted. You know, you kind of say, no, everybody's got their struggles. Everybody's kind of doing their own their own version of the same kind of thing. But then I was talking to my mom the other day about her childhood, and I and I oh I said, what was your favorite movie when you were a kid? And she said, are you kidding, Roy Rogers. She's born in like, 20, 29? Th- no, 34. 34, okay. Oh, well, that's right. Like, yeah, okay, so yeah, that's the same age as my, as my mom, yeah. And she was like, you know, Roy Rogers, every, every time a new Roy Rogers picture came out, I would go see the Roy Rogers. I loved Roy Rogers. And when he married Dale Evans, I was really disappointed. And then she said- and, <laughs> Really? And, yeah. Oh, that's so cute. And then also, you know, Johnny Weissmuller as, as Tarzan. Mm. And I said, well, when you were out with- you know, the kids in the neighborhood playing, did you guys play Roy Rogers? Did you play Cowboys and Indians? Did you play Tarzan? And she said, I didn't play with other kids. Hmm. And I'd never heard her play. in Ohio. This is in, in Northwest Ohio? Yeah. And I'd been mm-hmm. to her. I've been to her town. We were just there in, in August. And she showed me all of her neighborhood. You could picture, oh, here's the route you would walk to the elementary school. Here's the, here's the route to town, you know. Um, but she just said it so matter-of-factly, like, well, I didn't play with other kids. And 
my my daughter has a we moved out to the suburbs partly because we wanted her to have the suburban experience that I had when I was a kid, which was kids all over. And you just go out the door in the summer and you play. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe, but like my wife grew up on a cul-de-sac with where everybody knew every other family and mostly really liked the other families. But it's it's difficult if you didn't grow up in that environment or haven't grown up in an environment like that. It's difficult to describe. If you live in the suburbs anywhere in America or anywhere where there's concern, like, you know, the kind of concern you would have in a, you know, area like that, like you have to take your kids somewhere to play. Or you have to, like, your kid has to get somewhere to play. In the case of my, my wife and her family, and maybe yours, you walk out the door and you're already there. Like, everything is already there. You can ride bikes. You can, own, you can go to the convenience store. You have a certain amount of autonomy you would never have in an urban area or in a suburban area that required you to, like, leave, you know, Colonial Hills 3 and 4 in order to get to the Eckert Drug Store. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're, you don't even mind you're already there. Which is also kind of true of the music and the college in this case. You're, the friends, they're already there. The music, it's already there. It's, it's really special. And, 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 that, so, and I worry about that for my kid because it turned yes. out this suburban neighborhood does not have that. And Most of retired she, architects, right? Yeah, and she's <laughs> like my mom. She's a, she's a you know, avid reader. And she's just gradually, although a very social person, has gradually kind of settled into a life where her books and her fantasies are her main companions. And that was kind of me, except I had kids all around all the time. So I could opt in or <laughs> just, opt just yell out. at them to keep it down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I, I could say, I mean, there would, there, there are many instances where a kid would come to the door and say, Hey, can John come out and play? And my mom would look in my room and I would like wave her off like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, because I, I was you wearing a pointy hat with crescents <laughs> and stars on it. Yeah, well, you wave something. a magic wand. I was making spells. That's right. I was, uh. you know, I was reanimating uh, a dead frog. Oh, and so, so I think about it in that context sometimes, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. There are a million other lives, and there are lives where I remember uh, the first time I visited Greece. I was sitting in this like little ramshackle hotel looking out the window at the water. And there were these bronzed, like teen, young teen uh, Greek kids doing the thing. It's like right out of a cliche, although this was a, this was a rattle trap hotel on Corfu. But these, these kids were just diving in the ocean mm -hmm. and they were wearing almost nothing. You know, if, if it had been, even a hundred years ago, they wouldn't have been wearing anything. And I remember looking out the window and like, oh, this is, well, first of all, this is how JFK Jr. grew up. But also this is, this is a life and what a different life from mine, like, like an utterly different life. Well, like what's a, you know, it's interesting. I think in an instance like that, it's kind of interesting to ask like, what's, um, what's, what's normal, but also what's available. Like what's normal and what's available is a lot of like that describes whether that's your culture at your office or like especially when you're a kid. But like it's normal to just sit around buck ass naked and like sitting in the sun, you know. Yeah. But what's available is like, hey, you you have access to the Mediterranean and a fair amount of, you know, yeah. Europe. Yeah, and nothing, nothing, you know, and that's a situation where your relative poverty uh -huh. is completely mitigated by the fact that you have the ocean of the ancients, right? You, I mean, 
who cares if you don't have any money? You have the world's greatest ocean. Mm-hmm. And it's so different than growing up in the Bronx or whatever where mm-hmm. you don't have any money and also you don't have the world's greatest ocean. But but I think now this is this midlife crisis thing where it's like, oh, wait, I could I could choose a life rather than continue to live in this one. And I don't, and I've, I've been talking to a lot of friends about this. Like, hmm. we're, say, we're, say, that, say that again. This, this sounds important. You know, you could. You could you, choose a life versus like realizing, well, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm, my, my thought on that is something like, well, you have to ask yourself like, oh, did I accidentally find myself in some kind of default settings and not realize it? Like I could have a more affirmative decision about what I'd like to be doing and to have done. Well, there's nothing you can do about what you, what you've done, but yeah. You can apologize. You can apologize for what you've done. Yeah. You have to every day. (laughs) No, no, no. But I mean like, you know, like in your case, whatever accolades you get in life, I don't think that's going to be enough because A, you don't like accolades and B, you're very driven in sometimes positive or negative ways, but you're very driven uh, to like exceed what you've done. I feel like, yeah. And what does that look like? But also, hmm. is there when I'm when I when I think of a simple life, when I think of a simple life, which I which I don't currently have, although I don't have an overcomplicated life. I that, have they're very different things. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I have a simple life relative to having what, a not difficult life is not the. I mean, I uh, one of my many distinctions that I'm sure annoy people is there's a big difference between love and hate. <sighs> yep, yep, yep. And there's actually a, line. a thin line. Yeah, there's a thin line. Um, um, was that the Pretenders? No, no. What is that? Who is that? The Pretenders. Line between love and hate? No, no, no. Huh. It's uh, it's um, huh. it's George Jones. No, it's uh, George oh. Strait. No, oh, George Strait. Huh? It's, um, Live like you're dying. Yeah. It's uh, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. She wrote all those songs. All those. There's, songs. A, there's um, I, I, the a phrase, uh, a couple, couple of distinctions. Uh, oh, it's Huey Lewis. Always... Oh, I see. I see. I no, see. no. Did you say Pretenders? No, it's the Persuaders. The Persuaders. Oh, 500 miles. Huh? You're just all too darn loud. He says through the bullhorn. The um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, there's a difference between just because something s- is simple doesn't mean it's easy. Sometimes when something is simple, we almost understand. Uh, John Hodgman, no, you must listen, John. That simple means like, oh God, there's some kinds of simple in life that are brutal. That Like once you accept a truth that is very simple, yet immutable, yet non-intuitive, that, don't make, that does not make it easy. Simple mm. is not easy. Simple can sometimes be very difficult. And I think I think in life that's that's how stuff kind of lands on you is you go oh there actually is I was I had my ladder against the wrong wall for trying to figure this thing out there are things that you can get uh, or grok as you say in life yeah and I I, I don't know what do I'm sorry I interrupted you you you're you're, you're thinking about uh, things well you know I'm always thinking about things you know I our, guess our, you are yeah yeah our our uh, one one of our good friends uh, of the of the uh, of all the great shows. Jochen, who lives in Sweden now, but is a German, he posted somewhere, maybe he wrote me a letter, where he said, in that, in that very German style, you know the Germans. I do. They love chapter markers and candor. They do. They don't like mincing words. No, no, no. And, there's no mincing. There's not even a word for that. They got eight different words for snow, but none for mincing. Well, the word for mincing just means to chop uh, meat up very finely. 
but they oh, don't as, use it as if unto a land Jaeger. Yeah, but they don't they don't then use it as a metaphor for uh, parsing what you say. And I really think there it's are no in, metaphors in German. <laughs> it's in their minds, right? It's not it's not like they think to themselves, "Oh, this would be rude to say," and then say, "Well, but I'm German, I'm going to do it anyway." They don't even have a they don't, filter they don't, for the, rude. Yes, the hard part to get used to is that they don't mean it to be rude, and it's not rude. They're right. just not doing all the layers of padding and packing that Americans do to say something true. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and Have you so considered what, that you've become very fat? Well, so and he, he said something to me in a letter or, or, or something online where he was like, well, I think of Roderick on the line as like, you know, the first uh, five or six years you were, you were talking about, uh, you were telling interesting stories about when you were interesting. And uh -huh. then uh, recently you've just been uh, thinking about your life a lot in a kind of way that's a lot more boring. Uh, but, you know, it's like, you, you ran out of interesting stories is what he said. Yeah. Something to that effect. And I was like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> interesting stories ran out of me. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Truebill. You can learn more about Truebill right now by visiting truebill.com slash supertrain. Hey, uh, how many free trial subscriptions end up costing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, long after you've forgotten to cancel them? Well, a lot, probably. Well, fight back against scammy subscriptions with Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want, or that you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Uh, one, uh, one, one user, Matthew B says in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my direct TV bill. Wow. He saved $120 for the year on, on his Sirius, Sirius XM bill and saved $840 a year on car insurance. Matthew B saved a lot of money and, and it sounds like you can too. You go to true bill, you know, don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash super train. Go right now. Truebill.com slash super train. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Truebill for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. <laughs> Doing interesting things. I mean, they're oh, just, right, right, hey, right. It's just they're hey, different. Hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not fighting any buffalo. I'm, no, you know, well, I, got other I could if I, I wanted to. I could. I know how. There's half and half I got to get. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not exactly as interesting. You got a pot you didn't clean like right after you finished cooking and now you got to get that all cleaned off. Basement flooded the other day. We had oh, one shit. We had one of these atmospheric rivers again mm -hmm. and I like a dumb listen this is talk about not being interesting anymore. Yokin this story is for you. I mm. shout out to Yokin. I have a sump pump. Sump pump. House. <laughs> they put it in a sump pump to keep sump, the sump. keep the water off the floor. Uh-huh. It was one of these things, like, you know those smoke detectors where you put a 9-volt battery in it? Even though the smoke detector is hardwired into your house, yeah, battery runs out every six months, rain or shine, and the smoke detector is like, it's way, way up on, on a ceiling, and you get up there and you, you, replace the you replace the battery, and you're like, what is this battery for? The only reason it's here is in case there's a power outage. 
-hmm. It has battery backup. But somehow this device is sucking battery power faster than a battery-powered one. I heard a, I heard a thing on a podcast uh, last week about uh, related to this, where it had been recommended to perhaps consider getting those really long-lived, like new kind of fancy batteries, not like our old school alkalines, but the new ones, like probably lithium ion. But anyway, right. that they last forever. Like, oh, that's great that you won't have to check your battery as often, and when it does the beep 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 thing, like it won't be driving you nuts with that. Yeah. But the, apparently, the problem is that that. And I'm not a an engineer, but, but those batteries the time, themselves explode and set your house on fire. No, it's the, well, it's not as bad as that, but almost. Which is that if you've got a regular old alkaline battery, it drains on sort of a curve that's sensible, and it gets to a point where I guess the device detects the battery is low, and that's what causes that beep 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 to let you know to change it. The problem, if you like, with the lithium ion is that when they die, the, there's very little curve. It just um, dies. So you don't oh. even realize, because you're assuming, A, this battery is going to last forever, right? And B, it would tell me, but it won't tell you. You didn't know. You didn't check. It's not that interesting. But I'm just saying, be careful what you put in your, in your smoke alarm. Uh, you think I, it's just I for background. Say that. Be careful what you put in your smoke alarm. Be careful alarm. what That's you put like, in your smoke alarm. Not yeah. a lot of people, are gonna, especially the, the more interesting people who you meet on yeah. podcasts, are not yeah. going to tell you that. They're so I, busy talking I, about what they do. Ugh. I lived in a stoner house, and we had a a, a a a smoke detector that beeped for a solid year. Oh and no! None of us could hear it anymore. Oh god! Every thirty seconds, beep. There's and, so many, there's so many problems with and that. And nobody, everybody was a drug addict in the house, so nobody sure. wanted to deal with it. It wasn't even. It's not like we had vaulted ceilings. It was just right yeah. there. You could stand on an apple crate. Nobody wanted to deal with it. Nobody wanted to pay for a nine volt battery. And yeah. so it just stood up there and beeped and any visitor to the house would sit there like just, just on the edge of the couch, like dudes change your batteries. And we like, how, like, how can huh, you live what? Like, what? Or like the house? It's like the house in Synecdoche, New York. That's always just a little bit on fire. We mm. were like, guys, like this, this is not right. Like, no. how are you living like this? We were a little bit on fire, but this situation, oh. the sump pump had a little, a little outboard gizmo that was there in case there was a power outage. The sump pump would keep running. But in the space of two years, it ran through three 9-volt batteries. And when it goes – when it runs through it, then it just sits down there and beeps. And I unplugged it. I unplugged the sump pump, Merlin. To get rid of the beeps. To get rid of the beeps because I was like, I can't okay. keep putting nine volts in this. This is so. And then we had an atmospheric river, and I went down there in the oh, morning no. to do the laundry, and it was two inches of water on the basement. Oh no! Yeah. Ugh. So talk about talk about interesting story. I mean, yeah, on the no one kidding. hand, you know, there's like dead rubber girl in the closet. On the other yeah. hand, there's yeah. the there's two inches of water on my basement floor. So. There's, well, there's yeah, your Roderick I mean, there's on less, the line. There's your love. <laughs> lessons about life embedded in that, John. Yeah. If you can't find that, and if you can't find embedded life lessons interesting, yeah. I don't know. No, Merlin, you know, you and I aren't 40 anymore. You know what I mean? We're no, not I'm, not, I'm not even 45 anymore. Not 45. No, no, no. You know, no. If, if, if life if catches we, up to you. Life catch it has a funny way of doing that. It comes at you fast. Uh huh. Why it are does. you still here? Yeah. Um, if and, you have an opportunity to drive one of those, it's so choice. It's so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's right. Uh huh. Huh. Uh, but you oh. know the thing is, if you just <laughs> just roll around into your late thirties, going oh oh oh, 
Like, I must go seek out the interesting information and lessons. Nah, what I'm telling you is the embedded ones. The embedded mm. ones. There's embedded mm. lessons everywhere. And mm. you should be, well, I'm not going to say, don't strip mine it, don't, don't steal the wisdom, but be there. Be with the wisdom and let mm. the embedding, you know, uh, buoy you. You learned, you learned a lot of lessons there, John. Let the embedding buoy you. Sump pump. Sump pump. And well, is that a, the sump pump, well, I'm going to guess here, that's a thing that detects water and then turns on? It's a thing that detects water and turns on, and it's in co it's in combination with a French drain. These are a lot of new terms that I'm introducing all at once. But the French drain, yes, okay. The French drain is a is a drain that's out that runs along the front of your house that collects the water and then it puts it in the sump pump and then the sump pump pumps it out. Okay. And all the the French drain was working great. It brought the water basically brought the water into the house, and then I had turned off the sump pump, and the sump pump did not take the water out of the house. And when I, I got see, was down that, was there, that missing piece, it was that change yes, that then it. created the missing piece that meant that that the whole operation was slightly compromised. It was compromised, and as soon as I saw two inches of water, I went and I and I uh, turned on the sump pump, and then it immediately sucked all the water out. Okay. But what I had been doing. Maryland uh -huh. was I had been sorting through all of my rock posters <laughs> and they were all stacked on the floor. Oh no. All these rock posters stacked You've been on at the, the floor rock posters for a while. A long time. Oh shit, John. And they so were just sitting on the actual floor. They were stacked on the floor. Oh. And all of the rock posters were completely submerged. Oh. And so the so I'm not somebody, as you know, who mm -hmm. believes that I don't believe that in signs. I don't believe that this is was meant to be. But I do believe that when something happens, that is what happened. That is the new truth. And that you, it's embedded. And just because it's embedded doesn't mean it's not real. What from real. from what from what can we learn from this? You ask yourself. What can well, I learn for, from this? Not, I'm not, I know it's, a, it's a performative, a uh, as I say, rhetorical question. A rhetorical question. But that's the point of the embedding. It's like it's it's not gonna it's not gonna hold your dick for you. You got to figure it out. Figure it out. It's not going to hold your dick. None of these are. And, no. you know, all the way back to when I had that office down in the in the immigration building, down in the... The in one with the, the birds uh, outside. With the birds. Mm -hmm. uh, I had these posters, these rock posters stacked up. And I was like, what am I going to do with these posters? All the way back. All the way back mm -hmm. before I ran for city council. I, the one constant in my life has been, what do I do with these posters? I For a while, I was going to buy a flat file from a guy. We're talking about 2013. What am I going to do with these posters? Well, now the decision in part was made for me by the flood, by the lack of a nine volt battery. Oh, now, for, one of, for one of a battery. The for one of a battery. Now, a lot of these posters, which I might have strapped to my back like the, like the stick farmer on Led Zeppelin 4. Oh, yeah. I might have been, or was that Led Zeppelin 4? Was yeah, that, yeah, that's the yeah. one the sticks, the four sticks. Yeah, with or the sticks. He's got yeah, the yeah. sticks. He's the stick he's, man. Mm -hmm. And 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 all the naked kids climbing up the side of the mountain. Mm -hmm. I would have been both the both the man with the sticks, the bundle of sticks, the bundle of hiss, mm -hmm. and I also would have been the naked kids climbing up the mountain. We could be the man with, and the mountain with these posters, these stupid Decemberist posters that I really just wanted to burn in effigy. Yes. And now the wave. The wave came in through the French mm. drain past the non-operating sump pump. Sump pump. And it just removed all of these posters from contention. I don't have to mischief, think about mischief that. managed, if I could say. Yeah. They they yeah. all went they all went soggy wet into the into the 
the bin. And now I'm, and now I wonder, should I be living in Greece? Should I be jumping off oh, the side of a I rock? See, I see. I see. I don't I see. have these anymore. These were one of the anchors. These these were a sea anchor, like like I learned in that Robert Redford movie. You throw the sea anchor oh, out, right? It pulls you off the shipping container. Sea anchor is different than a regular anchor. You, you taught me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sea anchor. So also a concept, uh, and I don't I don't pretend to fully understand this, but I'm happy to misunderstand it. A concept in I believe uh, I want to say Chinese philosophy, Wu Wei. Go on, Wu Wei. Wu Wei, and and that is the idea. It kind of I think broadly misunderstood, at least by me, idea of things that can only be done by doing nothing. And it's really easy. And boy, if you if you write in your poets for physics class, you write about the Tao of physics. Boy, that's going to make him mad. But because like, he he really it was a very navel gazy paper that I wrote. But Wu Wei is a very Taoist idea. Of uh, I watched a YouTube video about this also. Like mm-hmm. a farmer might be frustrated, and I'm just cribbing this from a video at this point. But a farmer's frustrated because he really wants to get good at farming, and so he goes out and first of all he starts pulling his crops. Imagine a carrot, treating it like a handle. And you start pulling it out of ground because, like, that's it. Seems like that'll make it grow faster, and mm-hmm. that doesn't help. That just kills the carrot. Like, and if you say, "Oh, what if I what if I give all of my crops double the water?" Well, that that doesn't make them grow faster. Hmm. And as we say in software development, uh, it, it uh, no matter how many it takes nine months to make a baby, no matter how many women you put on the job. Ha ha. And that is okay. that is an, an analogy, but I think that's a terrific analogy, and that that's a problem with lots of broken projects. Is thinking you can add more women hmm, to hmm. get the pregnancy done faster. What well, always takes nine months, no matter what, and a very that's a very woo way kind of concept. It doesn't mean I think, as my physics teacher gently tried to tell me, it doesn't mean sit on your ass. It it, it some it's been translated as doing nothing, but it's also that there's a kind of action by inaction. And in the farmer's case, that means fucking pump the brakes about trying to do, invent super farming. Now, is there anything <clears throat> that feels a little bit woo-way about this? It doesn't uh-huh. necessarily mean the universe is telling you something, but you did have a wave of mutilation come up through your French press. True. And then that dusted off all are you Decemberists. You right. come in, you know, uh, uh, after the deluge. Yeah. And now you got a situation. I think you got a little bit woo-wayed. I feel like I did. And one of the key elements is it could have been worse. There could be raining. There were, well, and there were a lot of things down there that didn't get Oh, oh it's almost like a warning shot. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, <gasps> oh, oh, shit, number oh, one, get your mind right about the sump pump and the French press. Right. That's right. Fucking get it right. Yep. Figure it out. But then also, you know, I, I, could, have, I, I could have killed you. Well, it's yeah, like all the guitars... Oh, your glasses, sitting, are your glasses down there? Well, the glasses all got lost, but the guitars, the guitars were all five inches above the waterline. The Rickenbacker's down there. They're all, they're down there, but they were all up high. <laughs> and I got all the water out of there and it lickety split. Like I came down at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, here's yep. the other crazy thing. You want to know the crazy thing? Please. So how long have I been talking about sleep problems? Um, oh yeah. Uh, a few years. It's been awful. Right, tired. And all then the you somehow you time. I guess you you attract a better clientele, but I've been dropping fucking hankies like Mario Cuomo. Hey, mm. somebody write me a script, f- please, for a CPAP machine. But mm. last time we checked in, I think you had a sealed plastic bag with the contents of CPAP. 
Mm-hmm. And so I got. You've been dealing with machine. sleep for years, John. You've been. It's, it's, it's been, been your bet noir. It's yeah. been terrible. And 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 I was starting to feel like on these shows I couldn't think straight anymore. Oh, that's right. You you, know, you, you kept was, you kept forgetting what you were talking about. Yeah, you said. I was walking around in a daze. My my whole everything hurt. Yeah. And oh. I got this CPAP machine and I tried to use it. And what 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 I what the problem for me was that the issue, the primary issue. Turns out. Turns out. I know you like it. Turns out. I do. You. You. But weren't you worried that you were gonna drown? Well, no. It was. It, here was the. Here's the thing. I have a hard time going to sleep. Uh-huh. Like I stay up until six in the morning. You have a hard the, time. Here, here comes word guy. You have a hard time going to sleep. You have also have a hard, hard, hard time getting to sleep. I, I have like a you hard have trouble. Ca- it seems to me you have trouble causing yourself. To move from the room where the sleeping isn't to the bed where the sleeping nominally should be. Correct. And so my thinking along the lines of CPAP was, oh, maybe I don't want to go to sleep because I'm dying the whole time. And right. if I had a CPAP machine, sleep would be restful. And hmm. when, when they did the tests on me, they were like, well, you're, you've only, you only had six events. And so technically you That would be like an apnea wake up kind yeah. of event? Uh, okay. six, six apneas. That's just borderline where we would have you do a CPAP. And I was like, well, how many is a, is like apnea? And they were like, well, there are people that have 100, 200 events. I've heard in a about this. And, but again, whether it's one or 50, you're not really aware of it. Unless your aware. wife shakes you awake and says, you've got to get this treated. Can you imagine like like choking a hundred times a night and you're sounds not like even you're aware dying. of it? I know. It sounds I, like slept, I slept on the couch last night because I was just being too goddamn loud. Well, so I so I I used this CPAP machine for three weeks, and holy I la- shit, over the yeah, holidays. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and before, and I lay okay. maybe maybe longer, and I lay in bed every night, and was still unable to go to sleep, but mm. now also wearing a, a Baron Harkonnen mask, <laughs> and now <laughs> this is making you look a little like a space elephant, like really, really, really unable to go to sleep. And distracting, you know, uncomfortable. What was the feeling? Well, it was just, it wasn't even that. I got used to it. I got but used it, you to know, but the it. But it's also that you're going to sleep. Yeah, like, you don't like just, going to sleep. Whether or not you had an elephant face on, you don't like going to sleep. Plus, you got to lay in a position. There's a lot about this that oh, I yeah. think could explain why this, this was, didn't go great. This was just one more thing, or in this case, four more things. Like, it was a sound, it mm-hmm. was a feeling, it was a restriction. And you got to lay on your back, right? You can't you got, like, lay or, on your you stomach. Know, you lay on your side, but then you're kind of pulling on the thing. And so I just didn't go to sleep. I just was, it was like, oh, now it's eight o'clock in the morning. Now it's basically like a nighttime "Hmm." MRI. We're just going to sit very still and not sleep. So then I, so then I got, I developed a cough and I was like, okay, I'm going to stop using this for a little bit and get this cough to go away. Cause I was using the humidifier function. I think it was filling me up. And then I went up, lead up to the holidays I was in this thing, Merlin, where I was going to sleep at eight o'clock in the morning. I was sleeping until two in the afternoon. Then I'm constrained by walking around because school's out, right? School's out. Yeah, and I'm falling down, and I'm sleeping on the couch in the afternoon, and I'm watching Thirty Rock episodes through. You know, I watch like nine Thirty Rock episodes in a row, just just hoping that Tina Fey will lay me down. And explain God, I to hope you know, Dennis. I hope it's a Dennis Duffy episode. You know, Please be a she's Dennis just Duffy. like she's just like, hey, 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 yeah. dummy. You know, lay down. And I'm. It like, does sound ah. a little. I, I recognize that what you're describing, and it does sound a little bit eh, pathological. Is probably the long wrong word, but like you've gone 
through a certain point to a different point, and yeah. it doesn't that start to feel like your life is a little unmanageable at that I was, point? I was out of control, absolutely oh, out of shit, control. John. And so in this cycle where it was like, okay, well now apparently, because there were a few of them where I was like, well, I'm staying up all night, and then I'll rock on through, and that's how you do it when you get jet lag or whatever. Well, I'd stay up until four o'clock in the afternoon and then hit a like a mondo wall and just fall, just collapse. So now I'm going to sleep at four in the afternoon and sleeping until what? 11 o'clock at night. Like I was just, I, it, yeah. I was off the rails and also not, that's not, it sounds like, it sounds like the, the sleep patterns of like a, a serial killer. Yeah. 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 And that's what it felt like. And it felt like mm-hmm. I was, I, and then right around Christmas, like I was sitting there, we were, we were opening presents and I'm sitting on the couch and I had not been to sleep for whatever at that point, 35 hours or something. Oh, and I'm just sitting, you know, I'm, fu- oh. you know, people are like, here, I got you this. And I'm like, <laughs> and right after that, I don't know, in some one of these combinations, right? It. It suddenly it was like uh, it was like jackpot on a a, a slot machine. Mm-hmm. I went to bed at midnight and I woke up at six thirty in the morning. What? And I was like, I find Fuck. both of those very difficult to believe. Well, and I and I did too. Holy and it was, shit! It was just something that 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 came around spontaneously. Like, like it wasn't t- attached to anything you could figure out. Just suddenly no. you fell into a seemingly normal grown man sleep pattern i went to sleep at midnight because i was so exhausted i couldn't stand i couldn't eat you wrapped know, I couldn't around keep my eyes open yeah. i wrapped around and i woke up at 6 30 and then i was like huh and then so i stayed up that day because because up until that point there had been nothing consistent right mm-hmm. i stayed up that day and it got to be about 10 o'clock at night and i was like falling asleep on my feet and i went to bed and i woke up at six o'clock in the morning and for the last two weeks, Merlin, I have been going to bed between <laughs> 10 and midnight and waking up at between 6 and 7 in the morning. Are you kidding me? And I started to get up and come into the living room and sit down at the computer and write. And I started to write. And I've been writing 1,500 words a day. That's really good. And staying awake all day, not taking a nap in the afternoon. Oh, my God. And, and I'm having this this like crazy, No, John, I have to say, crazy. you did not mention this to me. No, 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 no. I know. I know. I had, I, not, I had not heard this. Holy I, shit. I am floating along, and it's like I have this experience now where I've already done a bunch of stuff, and I look at the clock, and it's nine in the morning. And it's like, whoa. Shouldn't I be getting to sleep about now? Whoa. I did I've already written a thousand words and I cleaned the basement and I and I and I did the dishes and it's nine thirty. You, you do more before breakfast than the army does all day. Yeah, it's gonna make the sixties look like the twenties. <laughs> You're not getting dung out that easy. So, okay. So I don't know. Okay. Holy I don't know shit. what's happening. But no. it, but, but right now, right at this moment, because I woke up this morning. Without an alarm. Oh at my God. Eight o'clock in the morning. And, and I'm sitting I, here, I'm sitting here pushing in like we do. I'm pushing and delaying because I'm always thinking, oh, you know, I could have a little more coffee before I record. Plus, John's probably not even awake yet. Yeah. Listen no, to me. I already went out and was rollerblading around the neighborhood, late, no leaving shit. little boxes of sugar cookies on my yeah. neighbor's doorsteps. And what's crazy? What's crazy? You're a manic pixie dream, John. I don't want to jinx this because I'm, I'm not. No, no. Win. 
but it feels regular. Well, tell me, oh God, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm ravenous. I'm like a horny boy. Yeah, how do you feel? Do you, is, is the, is the, what, is some of the, fuck, is, are you feeling better physically, mentally, emotionally? Are well, you feel, do you feel different? So what, so uh, there's a combination of things. When I write, it turns out, huh? when I write 1500 words in a, in a day, I feel like I accomplished something. Oh, that's a funny thing. So I get yeah, a little... when you can when you actually produce the thing that your is mainly your job. Um, it's amazing how good it feels to have finished a thing that's actually yeah. like the kind of thing you'd be proud to have done. So I get feeling. you know I get a little attaboy. sure, and and I didn't have to steal that time from anywhere. Like I didn't have it's not in the middle mm. of the day. I, it was just like I did it in the morning, and so it's it's out of the way. So I haven't felt a feeling of daily accomplishment <laughs> in years i don't think where it was like oh i did a thing every day for the last week i did a thing that that even, is even controlling for all other things this must have had some impact on you well the, the it, ha part. it has yeah. and and what happens now is when i start to feel tired it's at 10 30 at night where normally i would be sitting like just leaning into the first of what was going to be nine uh, 30 rocks. Yeah. And now I'm sitting on the couch uh, with my daughter's mother partner <laughs> who, uh, who has decided along with my sister that we're watching the man in the high castle for some reason. Oh, that's good and, they're, and they're like, no, 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 this is your type of show. You like this. And I was like, well, you know what? It's 1030. I'm kind of tired. I'm not going to turn in soon. <laughs> and so I sit there and I know <laughs> even Nazis can't keep me away. I'm like, oh, Nazis. I can't tell what's going on in this. <laughs> I need my beauty rest. But but you know, you put that down feeling, your missus your Mrs. Howell eye shade with the lashes on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like <laughs> No, but you know, and I'm somebody that does not fall asleep on the couch watching TV. I refuse to do it. But I am you know, that that falling asleep on your feet, that nodding off thing, yeah. which which I'm used to happening at six o'clock in the morning, it's happening at eleven o'clock at night, and I'm like, well, off to bed. And it and here's the other thing. It doesn't feel mm. like I'm missing anything. Like, I'm not missing... Something's flipped neurologically, John, because those, you were never missing anything. I was never missing anything from no, 11 I'm sorry, to that 5. Sounds, I'm sounding like I'm being unkind, but like, no. What's changed is your ability to realize you're not missing shit. No, you I need wasn't to sleep. Anything. What I was really. missing was writing 1,500 words at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but that doesn't occur to a person. But I don't know... Right now, it feels very sustainable. It feels sustainable because I got up at eight. Let's not jinx I, it. Oh my I've God, already done some it. stuff, and I'm going to stay up until at 11 when I start to get tired. And then even if I want to sit and play shitty games on my phone. If you want to watch 30 Rock, you might choose two of your favorite episodes instead of just sitting there like a goddamn glutton, imagining that that'll keep the demon dogs at bay. Here's the insane thing. I watched, during the pandemic, I... Because I, I didn't watch 30 Rock in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. I didn't even have a TV. Mm -mm. And I started to watch it when it was on Amazon. They took it away, mm. but then they put it over somewhere else, Netflix or something, that I also was able to see it. But I started to watch them. And I I didn't watch Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live so I didn't because I didn't even have a TV. No. So I didn't know anything about anything. <gasps> oh, she's delightful on that show. And I started watching the show and I was like, Sandwich Day, The Cookie. Oh my God, she's well, so lovable on that show. And what what's crazy is that the show, 
you know, there's something about the 2010s, 2020s, um, where you, you, somebody our age, you know, for the last six years, we've been kind of trying to figure out, are we being gaslit? Mm-hmm. Like it used to be, I know we don't say it used to be like Twitter used to be good or whatever, but it also like things used to be away. There's and usually some offset personally and globally and culturally of like, well, you know, the 80s sucked, but it was good for punk music. Like, but whether or not that's true, like it just feels like we are really down in the count for the last five or six years of like, yeah. there's like 45 empirically permanently bad things. And then the occasional like, oh, you feel a little better for an afternoon. And that's yeah, it. only barely. But yes. but but watching the this show from two thousand six seven eight nine ten <laughs> yeah still and, very like George W George W Bush years yeah but the sense of humor is so Generation X it's so mm-hmm. like there's a lot of irony there's a lot of stuff that wouldn't fly now but it actually is funny you know it Jenna, Jenna in blackface taking that out was a goddamn shame because like so much of the great blackface it was really instructive have you gotten to the one where Alec Baldwin starts working for um, Ferris Bueller? Well, so, so what I did, what had happened was, yeah, I watched the entire series. You watched the entire series. That's like six, seven seasons, something like that. And it's I've never, se- it's a lot of seasons. I, the only time I've ever done that before, Tracy was I gets, li- Tracy gets little and big and little and he gets big. little and big. That's right. When <laughs> you see him the first, he's got a mustache and he's like all slim. But <laughs> I am a stabbing robot. <laughs> but I, I'd only ever done that with, with, uh, with the Sopranos and the wire. Right. Okay. I'd never watched anything all the way through before that was like this, that was just like, this is just, this is just like candy. Rome you were Nothing. watching at the time, week by week. You haven't done like a after death or after, after end of the show binge. I've never done like this, this very often. No, okay. I've never done this. And okay. so, and I, oh, oh, I was also Ooh. doing it alone. This was my private, like go sit in the bathtub and watch 30 rock oh. and, and go like, this is my little weird special yeah. Time caps that makes me not feel gaslit. That makes yeah. me remember when things when I when I enjoyed things, and <laughs> I didn't even enjoy this then. But does anybody remember laughter? But this reminds me of remembering laughter. Yeah, and I'm here. And Tina Fey, oh, she's so oh, wonderful. She's so They're cute. all so wonderful. Al, Al, Kenneth, Baldwin. how much do you love? How much do you love Kenneth? Everything about it. And so I got to the end just a few weeks ago, and oh, I watched man. the last episode. And I walked around for a couple of days like, well, I miss my friends. I miss my 30 Rock friends. And I tried to watch Seinfeld and I didn't like, I don't want those friends. I didn't, I, I don't, I don't want to hang out with those guys. That's a different, different kind of thing. And I, and I, and so I walked around and I said, hmm. can I, so I went to my daughter's mother partner Okay. and I said, I miss my 30 Rock friends. Can I just start watching it again? And you're just realizing this is a thing you can do. And she said, my how God, many? John, I'm a sweet summer child. Oh, my she, God. She said, how many of your fans have listened to every Roderick on the line more than once? Both and of I was them. And like, I was mm-hmm. like, a lot. Well, and she said, you, you can. Oh, you we are do, We do this with what we do in the shadows. We'll just, or Righteous Gemstones. We'll just, we'll, we've watched it all, all the way through so many times. 
and then we'll just go hop back in. And then sometimes we'll say, oh, let's go watch the What We Do in the Shadows movie, which makes you go back and then enjoy the TV show even more. Or we've done this with Sunny. We've done this with Parks and Rec. We've done this with all of the shows. I We're never, so broken. We're so I didn't broken. realize that it was a thing. And so That's I so, went. I love you so much, John. You're so much more <laughs> wholesome and normal than you realize. That's so healthy to not realize that. But welcome. Welcome. I made, I made, some, I made some toast, and I went into the bathroom. Uh-huh. I, and I drew a bath and I sat there and I put my computer on the toilet uh-huh. and I turned it on and I was like, I don't even remember the first, cause I didn't binge it at first. I watched the first episode, you know, like a, like a, two years ago in the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. So I was like, I don't even know if I remember. And I turned it on and it I gets, didn't remember it gets, anything. it gets to be itself pretty Tracy, Tracy does Conan, I think is like one of like the third or fourth of something like that it episode. Gets, it gets into it so fast. It's like, <laughs> I have $11,000 in my checking accounts. <laughs> how did they know everything at, right away? Like, oh, and how, I mean, like say what you will about Alec Baldwin. I happen to really enjoy his work and he's just so, you, can't, you couldn't tell these kids today. You could not tell them how wonderful it was to see Alec Baldwin play this part. And then when um, when um, uh, Job comes on, mm-hmm. uh, when mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Will Arnett. And they start doing the thing with the low voice thing back and forth, the voiceover guy thing. Holy shit. Rip Torn. He just wants Rip to Torn. call him Jackie Boy. <laughs> the whole the whole thing. And so, so Oh my god, Kathy Geis with the with the with the, with the, with the matchbox car. <laughs> I don't feel, I still feel like a little <laughs> fragile about it because I yeah. all, it's not your I, jam. It's not, it's not your, it's well, not like the thing you would want in the first paragraph of your obituary. You'll notice that I've been doing this for a couple of years. I never mentioned that I was watching 30 rock cause it felt a little dirty anyway. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm watching a sitcom, you know, like a, like a, like a sitcom. Oh, like, a, like a, you're watching a streaming sitcom. But it's not even. End, it's not even like you went out and got every Dick Cavett episode on DVD. <laughs> no, and I've watched all those too. But no, I, sure. I, you know, like all the ones with Richard Burton, where he's like, "My father used to fall off a bridge." Mm-hmm. But but I right at the end, I started to say to people, like friends, I was like, "Hey, you know what? I've been watching Thirty Rock," and then I would I would watch their reaction. It was kind of like, you uh-huh. know, it's like. Have you ever heard of? You might as well have just said Eric something Krishna? like, "I've started doing hot yoga." Yeah, people hot would be yoga. like, "What the fuck are you exactly. talking about, John?" That's exactly right. And and I actually was then because I wanted that reaction because then I would make my case. No, no, no. Thirty Rock is really good. It's actually really good. And they would be <laughs> you like, "You guys, you should check out this show, Thirty Rock." Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, have you I ever heard of The Wire? It's really in, good." <laughs> back in two thousand eight, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no." It's that was really like good. that was me in Rome when I told you I was watching oh. Rome, and you're like, "Yeah, I watched it when it was on." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I, no, no, I watched that at not uh, the Not a Surf House when I lived there for oh, really? a week. Uh, uh, Ira was like, or two weeks. Ira was like, "Oh, we got to watch this," and they had it on DVD or something, and we watched Rome all together. Just Ira, I, I couldn't stand that guy on Grey's Anatomy, which my family hate watches, mm. um, and they love they love it, but they hate it. But mm. Karev, whatever the guy's name is, Train Spotting, I call him. But mm-hmm. I liked him so much in Rome that I started liking him on Grey's Anatomy. There it is. See, there yeah. it is. And I don't the think there's anything there's any Thirty Rock spinoff that I wouldn't somewhat approve of anyway i've been making a case i actually went to christopher frizzell the guy that runs my book club and i was like look what you need my friend is Uh not to read moby dick you need to watch 30 rock and he was like 30 rock and i was like no 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 Uh so so anyway i've started it over i'm i'm not even halfway through season one yet and i'm just like and i'm kind of 
I'm kind of doling them out to myself like little bonbons, you know. Like, oh my god, so good! Yeah, it's really. Oh fun. my god, that's the, John. I love all of this. I, 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 my head is swimming. I was unprepared for this. I did not know what I was walking into. No. And I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm night. really happy. I think that at least this is a respite. You get some words. You get some sleep. Words. It's a it's respite, close. John. It may not happen forever, but you've yeah. done it. I We're wake up it. in the morning and the sun is just peeking through the trees. The just the first I I'm up at first light. And I'm like, oh my oh, God. time to get up. Time to sit. I'll get some coffee and I'll sit at you the You should do it'll be fun. Maybe do some calisthenics. Well, that's the next thing. Just kind of like phone it in Walter Matthau style, style calisthenics. <laughs> we just hold Put like tiny, tiny sweats. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like a do real uh, butter, butter maker, uh, butter maker style uh, calisthenics. Just tiny, hold tiny, tiny little weights. And you do like one, two, three, like a Pee Wee Herman workout. <laughs> you need that. That's all I can handle right now. Uh-huh. You jog in place up. a little bit with a towel around your neck. You could do that. My daughter said, you know, uh, she was trying to show me some yoga moves. And I was like, you want to see a yoga move? I was like, I was like, throw that little, uh, those little balled up socks there in front of me. Like, just put them six inches in front of me. And she did. And I was like, now watch me try and pick them up. <laughs> Downward groaning, John. <laughs> oh.